Hey Amarillo, I'm Jason Boyette, and you're listening to Hey Amarillo, the interview podcast featuring some of the most interesting people and stories of Amarillo, Texas. This episode of Hey Amarillo is supported by NCW, a local independent risk management agency. I have a number of friends who work at NCW. I know a lot of local businesses that rely on them for their expertise, but here's one of the things that really impresses me. This company has been in business in Amarillo for 95 years, making it one of the oldest continuously operating businesses in the city. NCW provides a full range of risk management strategies and solutions, including business insurance, group benefits, and personal lines. To learn more, visit ncwriskmanagement.com or call 806-376-6301. And as part of this podcast partnership with Brick and Elm Magazine, I also want to give a podcast shout out to Amarillo National Bank, which has been locally owned with no outside shareholders since 1892. That's 129 years. And to Wellborn Real Estate, a Texas panhandle farm and ranch broker. Find them online at wellbornland.com. Today's guest is Jeremy Bradford. He's relatively new to the area. He just moved here a few years ago. And I always think a guest like that provides a valuable perspective about what Amarillo has to offer. But Jeremy is also the Vice President of Development for the Hope to Opportunities Foundation, which is a foundation related to Advo companies. It helps provide funding for that organization. And I'm a big fan of Advo. They provide training and work opportunities for people who have intellectual disabilities. ADVO also offers residential group living across homes in Amarillo. And as we discuss in this episode, it's just a really innovative model that is uniquely Amarillo. So here's Jeremy Bradford. Jeremy Bradford, welcome to the Hey Amarillo podcast. Thanks for being here. Well, thank you for inviting me over. It's, this is wonderful. Well, good. I, it's wonderful to have you. I'm, I'm glad to have the chance to talk, and I want to start in the same place I do with all of my guests and just ask you why you're here. How did you uh, end up here in the Amarillo area? It's a great story. Well, I say great. It's, it's a long one. Um, long my, stories are usually <laughs> the best stories, though. So. My uh, family grew up here, born and raised here, up through the age of 13. Started at South Georgia, ended at Sleepy Hollow. And then moved to Dallas. Okay. Um, dad, little sister. Um, now my other side, my other brother, my other sister were still here. Okay. Uh, so it was a split family, um, but was gone for about 33 years. Wow, and that's a long time. It was. And in that time, I started a career in nonprofit, been doing that for 20 years. Uh, my wife at the time was kind of getting sick. So I said, you know what? Let's move to Amarillo. Hmm. Um, slower pace. Not all the hustle and bustle. So we moved here, back here in June of 17. Okay. So we've been here for a little while. So that's that's a really long time to be gone from Amarillo. I mean, age 13 until you return, you know, several decades later, mm-hmm. I guess. I mean, what was different? How how had the city changed? Were, were you aware of enough as a kid to, oh, yeah. to kind of compare and contrast? Absolutely. Because I... Cause I, I a lot of my family lived out in the River Road area. All right. So getting to go out there on the summers, the weekends, and playing in the barn and seeing the country. Um, when I came back, I had to make a drive back out there to Grandma's mm-hmm. house to see what it's like. And it was still the same. She's okay. no longer there, but the farm is. And It so was, was still country. The city hadn't encroached too it, much on it. Exactly. It, it kind of stopped a couple miles from them. Um, but it was still great because it brought back all the memories. Wonderland Park with 
school elementary school nights at Wonderland Park. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we left, we were we lived right behind Westgate Mall. Okay, um, so driving over there, seeing the old house that I pretty much grew up in from fourth grade till seventh grade, and then just seeing the mall again. Yeah. So, and the mall has not quite retained its no. its luster that it probably <laughs> had when you were thirteen. No, there we we were there. It's funny. About two weeks ago, we went to the mall for something. And I was just so disappointed. I'm like, this place used to be packed. Mm-hmm. And this was on a Saturday, and there was hardly anybody there. So that was kind of a kick in the gut, um, Yeah, just I, seeing I, things change like that. As central as Amarillo is in the panhandle, and as central as the mall used to be to shopping here, I keep waiting for some big developer to come in and you know, make it one of those really nice, you know, Metroplex area types of malls. Because I, I think the... The potential is there for it. I feel like we've got the, you know, the demographics to do that. But yeah, it's it's just kind of sad the way it's it's gotten forgotten. I agree. I do. I think I agree with you though on that. Making it more of like an outdoor mall. Yeah. Where yeah. You, you park in one area and you walk to the stores. Yeah. I feel like we'd be a really good outlet mall stop. You know? Yes. Exactly. Especially where we're located. Yeah. So moving as a kid from Amarillo to the Metroplex was that a big change? I mean, did that. Did that seem as dramatic as, as maybe it seems to me? It was big. Um, originally, with starting with like junior highs and all that, it wasn't as bad. But when you got to the high school, mm-hmm. and my senior class had over 1,900 kids in it. Holy cow. That's... As, at the time, we were the largest graduating class in the state of Texas. What high school was that? Plano. Okay. So, And that's with two high schools. Yeah. So that was a big shock on that. I mean, you come from here, you got Amarillo. Tascosa, usually about <laughs> 400 students yeah. or so in a graduating class. And 19th kind of threw me. Did you, uh, what did you miss about Amarillo as, as a teenager, you know, have, having grown up here? The weather. Okay. I, I'm a big winter fan, so I miss snow. And we'd get a little bit there, more ice than we would get snow. And so I would always call my brother here and say, is it snowing yet? And mm-hmm. of course, he'd send pictures and rub it in that it's snowing here and I've got nothing. I'm still out playing golf. <laughs> yeah. Tell me about what you uh, you ended up doing as, you know, after you got through high school, after you went into college and got in the nonprofit world. What, what was your career like then? It was great. I, I graduated from the University of North Texas. Okay. Um, got out of that and went into financial planning for a few years. And then... Luckily, I got on with American Cancer Society, and I headed up our estate and plan giving division for North Texas. Okay. So I covered mainly North Texas, but I also covered the panhandle as well. And still kind of had that connection to the financial planning side, I guess, exactly. in that yep. part. All right. Yep. So it worked out perfect on that. Um, but also, by being able to come out to the panhandle again, got to stay in touch with friends that I grew up with, mm-hmm. and still friends with one of my friends from fourth grade to this day. Okay. So that's been neat. Um, after the Cancer Society, I was there for, oh, God, 13 years, maybe, 12, 13, and then went to another nonprofit um, to head up their development. They didn't have one. They're a nationwide organization. So I headed that up, uh, traveled a lot to do that, and then we moved here because I, as long as I had an airport, I could live wherever. Right. So moved back to Amarillo area, slower pace, still able to do what I needed to do, but they wanted me to move. Hmm. And one of my daughters has special needs. 
And Canyon ISD just did a tremendous job with her within that first six months okay. of being here. So we were like, no, we're not moving. Yeah. So after you moved, like that, I guess that value or the slower pace, whatever you were looking for, you found it here yes. in this area. Yep. And started looking, saying, okay, where should I go work? Because I'm not moving. Mm-hmm. And reached out to a number of cousins saying, what do you know? And one of mine said, hey, why don't you look at Advo? I was like, I am not going to go sell vitamins. <laughs> because I immediately thought of AdvoCare. Yeah. And yeah. He, he's like, no, it's everything Hadley needs. So I met with Carla, learned more about Advo there. And then next thing I know, they, they were starting a foundation and asked me to run their foundation. Hmm. So four years later, here we are. <laughs> so I, I feel like... You know, before we start talking about Advo, because, uh, you know, there may be some people who have the same response. Is it related to the vitamins or something? Others who know about it. But tell me a little bit about operating in the nonprofit world based in a big city like Dallas-Fort Worth uh, versus based in Amarillo. Um, can, can you tell a difference in maybe the communities and, and how the nonprofits kind of, kind of work? Okay, Yes. In Dallas area. You, you had a lot of people that gave, usually a little bit bigger money, but they would only give to one, maybe two organizations. Okay. Um, here, though, it's community-wide. In all the communities I've got to visit doing nonprofit work and fundraising, the panhandle is the best. Hmm. Um, people have open hearts. They give to everything. Uh, they don't just limit it to this organization or that. If somebody needs help, they step up. Okay. Does that tell you something maybe about the people here? I mean, is, is that an economic thing or is that like a, a people thing? I think it's a people thing. Okay. Because very few want recognition. They just want to do it out of the goodness of their heart. Nobody's asking for their names on a building no. or anything like no. that. Um, now, granted, we'll, we'll be happy to put names <laughs> on buildings. <laughs> that <laughs> is on the table. <laughs> yes. Um, but no, it's, it's people have big hearts here that just want to give back and make sure our community is getting what it needs. Okay. Um, and I'm part of the Association of Fundraising Professionals here in town. And we do a National Philanthropy Day luncheon every year. So we award small businesses, big businesses, top philanthropists, volunteers. We, we've got like eight different awards we do. And I'm in charge of doing the videos. Um, and it's great because as I meet with all these individuals, one of my questions is, what do you think of philanthropy and the pain? Right. And every one of them say it's untouchable. We hmm. are the best hands down. And I have to agree with that. Is that a perception that reaches outside the panhandle? Like, Not a chance. You, you have to be here. Yep. And, and that's when you experience it. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. Because when I was telling people I was moving to Amarillo, they're like, you're not going to get anything out there. Huh. Little did they know. Yeah. It's, <laughs> a, uh, it's kind of a hidden gem, I guess, exactly. in the philanthropy world. Yep. Tell me about Advo then. For, for listeners who... You know, maybe you've heard the name, um, but don't really have a a solid idea of what happens there. Describe it. Advo started 30 years ago. Um, What's great is we have a vocational training room, a day hab room. We have 28 group homes, and we have a full nursing staff. Okay. Which we're the only one in the panhandle that has all four areas. Um, So we're able to not only provide housing for our clients, we provide them job training, and we also take care of their medical needs. Okay. And so that, I, I guess, for let, let's say for, for adults who have special needs and are living in a group home, it, it gives them the freedom, you know, that, that maybe they 
didn't have living with mom or dad. Uh, it's helpful for mom and dad too. But there's also that medical side to it that provides like an extra, an extra level of security, I guess. Exactly. Yep. We, uh, we, we monitor 127 different doctors for our clients. So we take care of medicines, minor emergencies are done at our office, and specialists. So if someone's got cancer or any other type of disease where they need to go to Houston for treatments, we get them there. Um, so it's, it, to me, that is the heart and soul of Advo, mm -hmm. is being able to take care of these individuals when otherwise they might have gotten overlooked. Tell me what it means for the individuals themselves or for their families. Independence. This gives them a sense of, I'm doing things on my own. Kind of what I call our group is the forgotten community. Okay. Because everybody knows them in elementary school through high school. But when high school ends and their buddies go off to college, where do they go? Right. They fall through the cracks. And that's where Advo is there to help pick them up, get them the training they need to get outside jobs. Like one of our biggest employers is the Sod Poodles. Okay. So if you ever go to a Sod Poodles game and you see the crew that's cleaning up, taking the trash, cleaning the bathroom, those are Advo. Okay. And we hire, I think Sod Poodles have 28 of our individuals on staff. So That's great. Yeah. We love the Sod Poodles. <laughs> um, and another thing is kind of what I want the community to know is you've got to get registered in order for your child or if you've got a friend that has a special needs child, get them registered with Texas Panhandle Centers. Um, in order to qualify for any services, which includes Advo or the other training centers here in town, they've got to be on the Texas Panhandle list. Okay. Texas is, Panhandle Centers list. Is that a difficult registration process? Very or? easy. It's just nobody knows they have to do it. Okay. Like I did not realize my daughter needed to be on it until I was already at Advo. So signed her up, got on the list. The big thing, though, is the group home waiting list. It's a 15-year waiting list. Holy cow, wow. Yeah. So That's she'll be 25 before she's really eligible to get onto a group home. And that's just what I want the community to know is, hey, make sure you get everybody registered. And I'll be if they have questions, I'll be happy to answer and walk them through the process. Tell me what a group home looks like in that setting. I mean, how many, how many individuals? Four individuals per group home for okay. HCS. Um, so they each have their own bedroom. And it's literally like a house. Oh, yeah. It might it, be in a neighborhood like anybody lives in. We had one here in Puckett. Mm -hmm. we're, we're trying to move all ours over to City View because so, we're buying newer homes now. Okay. Um, but we've got one right over here in Puckett. So there's there are three that could be your next door neighbor and you might not even know. You might just see a big white van every once in a while and mm -hmm. wonder what it is. And so it's it's like four individuals. There's there's also a, a caregiver yes. who lives there full time uh -huh. or is Several shifts, I guess. Exactly. Shift supervisors. So you'll have one that is during the day. Uh, well, during the day, they come to our workshop. So from mm -hmm. eight to three, they're roughly, they're at Advo headquarters. From three to roughly nine or 10, we'll have a shift supervisor there to help prepare meals, make sure medicines are done, get everybody ready for bed. And then we'll have a night supervisor come in Okay, that stays up all night, monitors the guys. Um, some homes don't need as much monitoring. Some homes, they've got to go check every bedroom every 15 minutes. Okay. So it just depends on the house itself. And then you'll have weekend shifts, holiday shifts. Okay. And when you, when you talk about special needs, I mean, obviously that's a very broad category. Give me an idea of 
you know, the maybe the challenges that some of these individuals are facing, like like what kinds of special needs are together in these group homes? We've got everything. We've got people with Down syndrome, autism, deaf and blind. Hmm. Um, it's mainly any adults that have IDD, intellectual disabilities, or physical disability. Um, usually the physical disabilities also have an IDD okay. attached to it. Um, so as long as they qualify under those guidelines... We can take them. Is it difficult to, well, maybe, maybe I'll ask it this way. Like how intentional are you in creating these communities? Like, you know, when, when you're saying, all right, here are four people who are going to live together, they might each have their own distinct disabilities, but they're going to be under the same roof. Um, that doesn't work with, you know, most families, you know, that's a challenge anyway. (laughs) Exactly. Um, And they have all that in common. So like, how does Advo think about that sort of thing? Our staff is amazing. We've got a social work staff that looks at the individuals, learns what their likes are, what their dislikes are, and teams them up with roommates that all are pretty similar or different enough that they'll learn from each other. Okay. Because we constantly want our guys to keep learning. Um, that's the only way they're going to really feel more independent and and do great things in this community. So our social work staff is amazing. They pair up everybody correctly. And sometimes they get them in there and it doesn't work. So we do have to look at moving a house around a little bit. Okay. Um, but that's not very often. And I wonder if you could talk a little bit about, you know, the impact on one of these d- individuals. Um, because, you know, as, as I understand it, a lot of people who have special needs, you know, they grow up with their mom and dad in their household. Obviously, their mom and dad are going to be very protective of them. Um, they, they work so hard, you know, to meet those needs. Uh, but like when an individual gets into a place of independence like that, like sometimes there's a flourishing that happens, you know, underneath once they get out of the shadow of, of mom and dad, and I wonder if you've seen that in some of your clients. Absolutely. Like growth in their personality, growth in their skills, all those different things. Absolutely. We we had one gentleman that was almost nonverbal, um, came to us, and this is over a few years, learned how to express herself even more and more. Hmm. Um, she has now got a full-time job outside of Advo. Okay. And she's been in that job for almost five years now. She has grown enough also to where if her home needs to go somewhere, but she doesn't have to go, like if they have to take somebody to a, an appointment, she can stay by herself. Hmm. So she has grown from this little girl that struggled just to have a conversation with anyone to now working full time and being able to stay by herself for a while. That change in environment and change in circumstances can, can have a real effect on mm-hmm. people. Yep. One thing I, I think is really interesting about Advo is, you know, having having written about uh, the organization in the past, like I, I went to the headquarters and I saw so many of the adults who were like doing meaningful work, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, and you talk about the vocational work, whether it's outside the headquarters, like working for the Sod Poodles or United Supermarkets or, or doing the work in there. Like what's what's the value of of teaching these adults with special needs to to do some sort of job and, and something that gives them you know, an opportunity not just to pass the time, but like to have a sense of purpose and accomplishment. It's great. The uh, One of our big clients is CentOS. So they send over towels, mats, and our guys are in the workshop 
going through the towels, seeing which ones need to be rewashed, which ones need to be thrown away. Mm-hmm. Once they separate all those piles, they then start combining the good towels and packaging them up. And they get a paycheck to do that. Yeah. So they, every two weeks, get a paycheck for the work they did the two weeks prior. And you walk in there on a payday, and it's nothing but smiles. Um, and it's based on the number of pieces they do. So some of them might not do a lot of pieces, so it might be a $10 check. But there's some that are pulling a couple hundred dollars. Yeah. And they love what they do. It's It gives them a, a purpose. And that's, a lot of times it's individuals that maybe wouldn't otherwise have that opportunity, you know, to maybe because of their disability, they they can't always function in a regular workplace environment. But in a place like that, like Advo, where it, the work is appropriate for them and, and they can actually be good at it, like that, it really does help fulfill a dream for a lot of them. It does. It does. And, and what else is great, we're about to open up what's called Hope Village. Mm-hmm. So right now our guys work in a workshop type area. We're about to open up a strip center. So we'll have a custom framing shop, t-shirt embroidery, but a coffee, tea, and catering business. Wow, okay. And our guys are going to work in there. So this will get them that customer interaction training so that then they can go to Palace or Roasters and be a barista there or go to another organization and do like Jason's Deli, maybe mm-hmm. be a, a line cook at Jason's. Um, so this that's going to be a great opportunity to train more of our guys and get them more into the community. But what it really does is it helps us with our wait list. We've got over 300 on our wait list. So this will bring new people in that might not be just, that might be just sitting at home right now because they don't know what to do. Okay. Is the Advo model a unique one? Very. Okay. It's, it's, that's a question I always have is, I mean, is this something that is, is, has really kind of grown up and become itself here in Amarillo or like, can you see it in various places? For what we do, I have not found another organization like it. Okay. Um, now, there are mom-and-pop stores. Like, there's a Benny and Bo's. I mm-hmm. think it's in the Carolinas. They do it. They're a coffee shop, so they have that. There's an ice cream shop in Dallas that it's run with special needs individuals. So there's one-offs, but to do everything we do with the group homes, the nursing, the training, there's nobody that I've found like us. What do you know about kind of the origin story of, of how it, it sort of developed? I mean, you came to it. It was a fully-fledged thing. Um, you know, what have you learned about why Advo exists? Carla Hughes. Okay. She is amazing. She started Advo 30, 30 years ago with her mom. Um, Carla was with one of the state schools in Texas. And when they were starting to shut down the state schools, she moved to Amarillo and started Advo. Two group homes, six individuals. And now we're about to do our 28th group home, and we take care of 174 individuals. Mm. And Carla can tell you who each person is, what their habits are, what their medical conditions are, without batting an eye. She is an amazing CEO and just a, a good person. And that represents a real change, you know, over the past, what, four or five decades and just what happened with people who have special needs, you know, back in the 1950s or 1960s, a lot of individuals might've been shipped off to some state home or state school and the families like rarely saw them. Yep. Um, and this gives an opportunity for those families to stay in touch, you know, maybe not to have your 30 or 40 year old 
you know, son or daughter with Down syndrome still living with you, but like you're still together in the same town and they've got independence. I mean, it, it seems like a, an ideal model for it. It is. We, we've got a number of clients that they live with us and their parents come by during the week, take them to lunch or pick them up for the weekends, take them home with them, still go on family vacation trips with them. Mm-hmm. So we, we've got a great community of, of parents that are still actively involved. Some of our clients don't have family. Um, so we do our best to, one, make sure they get out, go to the park. Uh, it, it, it's funny. We do, um, we, we, I don't want to say we grade them, but we give good behavior tokens. Okay. So there's one gentleman that he, he earns touchdowns because he loves football. So if he does a good deed, he gets a touchdown. And he doesn't have family around here. So at 30 touchdowns, I take him out to dinner. And uh, he, he, in the beginning, you know, he struggled with his attitude a little bit. But once we set this in place of you hit this goal, we're going to dinner wherever you want to go. He gets, he gets too many 30 touchdowns. <laughs> it's a lot of dinners. It, it is. <laughs> Where does he like to go? Red Robin. Really? He's okay. A, he's an endless fry guy. Okay. <laughs> well, a lot of people are. You yep. know? <laughs> Tell me about the foundation. Like, you know, the, the foundation, as I understand it, is relatively new in the life of ADVO. Uh, so tell me why that developed and, and what's its goal. We, we started the foundation in the, at the end of 2017, um, started the process. 18, we really got it finally running with tax IDs and fully IRS credited. What it does is it helps us on our fundraising side. Because ADVO is 100% Medicaid funded, we had to look for different ways to raise money so that we didn't interfere with what the government was okay. needing to pay. Um, so the foundation was started there, and that's what I was brought in to run. Um, so we've done everything from galas to we, this year we did our first inaugural clay shoot, hmm. and it was a huge success. We had thirty over we had thirty two teams, over two hundred people, sixty three people that had never heard of Advo were there. All right, twenty of them donated, and one was a ten thousand dollar donation. Okay, so. Needless to say, Carla said we're doing this again. Yeah, <laughs> uh, which it's it's great, it's fun. And then I don't know if people remember the Raging Cajun. Yeah. Well, we're bringing that back. Okay. But we're going to call it Beads and Bayou this time, and we're going to look at starting that probably in March, kind of the same time frame we did Smart with the Raging. Mm-hmm. So we'll have the Beads and Bayou, the clay shoot, and then we're probably going to do a golf tournament next September. And I. You know, I, I'm curious, having you having had a career in, in the nonprofit world, but not always in the special need world, although obviously you had a, a family connection, um, does this feel like like you found kind of the, the ideal fit for you in, in terms of a career? Absolutely. Because this, this, this is a personal one now. It's, I want to make sure we're around so that Hadley has it and she grows up with what we do. Because mm-hmm. it's, it's a scary world out there for individuals with special needs because they get taken advantage of. Uh, And that's the other thing I encourage the community to do is if they've got a child or loved one that's coming up on the age of 18, make sure you get proper guardianship Mm -hmm. Um, because there's so many people that will take advantage. So like with Hadley, when she turns 18, my wife and I will become her legal guardians so that we can take care of her medical needs as well as her financial needs. Um, but we've, unfortunately there are people out there that 
they'll see a special needs individual and start telling them, hey, you got to pay us $20 a week mm. or whatever it may be for something when they don't have to do that. They're just stealing money from them. For local residents who might encounter a special needs individual um, at a sod poodles game or, you know, working for one of uh, Advo's clients, you know, just or, you know, just out at lunch somewhere, you know, a lot of people maybe feel uncomfortable and don't really know, like, what's the right way to interact? What's the right way to respond? Because there are so many different types of, of special needs. Do you have, like, recommendations about, like, how you want, you know, Advo clients to be treated? Treat them just like you'd treat, like how we introduced ourselves to each other today. Okay. Handshake, hello, how are you doing? Um, because the majority, they know that. They know what it's like to meet somebody new. They love meeting new people. You'll be able to tell if you can kind of approach and interact with them. But if they're out in the public, chances are they they want to be talked to. They want to be treated just like their peers. And 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 especially if they come from Advo, we encourage it. We're like, hey, be friendly, talk to people, say hello, tell them your name. Because it one, it just helps with their growth. Mm-hmm. And that's the main thing. We want everybody to can continue to grow. And they get some of that training at Advo oh, too, absolutely. right? Like that's a part of mm-hmm. Yep. I, I wonder, you know, kind of close up this section. Um, you know, you arrived in Amarillo four years ago, I guess. Uh, what have you learned about this city, you know, as an adult? You know, maybe you had perceptions as a as a twelve or thirteen year old, but coming back here as an established adult, like what have you learned about the people here? The people are great. Um, the pace of life is wonderful to me. Um, I know some people say it's slow, but I like it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but the people themselves all have a kind heart. Um, they give back. And you can't ask for more, especially in the nonprofit world. But not just in the nonprofit world. They'll help you with anything. Like I, I'm part of 100 Men to Give a Damn in Canyon. Mm-hmm. When my wife passed away, that group raised money for me. I didn't know anyone in that group. And next thing I know, I got a check that paid off a loan. Wow. So to me, and it, and now I help run that organization. And basically, we meet on a quarterly basis. We pick a few people that need help, whether it's a medical or a death. Um, and everybody brings $100, and then we, we give them a check. Hmm. So it's the people in this community are amazing. This episode of Hey Amarillo is brought to you by the WT Enterprise Center, home of the Amarillo Enterprise Challenge. Going into business is tough, especially if you don't have the resources to realize your dreams. The Enterprise Challenge is an annual event that gives multiple entrepreneurs a chance to win a share of half a million dollars. In the process, they also get coaching, mentorship, and the creation of an investment-worthy business plan. This is such a cool and beneficial event, and at least a couple of the guests on Hey Amarillo have seen this event kickstart their business ideas. To register for it, head to AmarilloEnterpriseChallenge.com, that's prize with a Z, and start growing your business today. Registration closes October 1st, that's coming up, and don't miss upcoming orientation dates on September 21st and September 30th. This week's episode is also supported by Amarillo's WIC office. The Women, Infants, and Children Nutrition Program helps out pregnant breastfeeding women and families who have young children by giving them access to healthy food. And that includes everything from formula and baby food to fruits and vegetables. 
There are so many people in our community, including children, who face unnecessary obstacles in accessing nutritious food. Well, WIC helps them out. If you know a young family that may qualify for supplemental nutrition through WIC, send them to amarillowick.com or call 806-371-1119. That's 806-371-1119, amarillowick.com. Okay, I'm back uh, with Jeremy Bradford. Jeremy, this is the part of the show I call Eight Straight. Eight Straight is sponsored every week by Panhandle Plains Historical Museum and Canyon. It's the largest history museum in Texas, and its collection includes at least eight fossilized mammals discovered locally, including a saber-toothed cat, uh, which, you know, they used to roam this area. So learn more at panhandleplains.org. Okay, first question, and I've been asking this of, of guests over the past several months, but what's one thing either the pandemic or the year 2020 and now into 2021 has taught you about local people? They are amazing. Okay. With with the pandemic, we were shut down for 19 months. And like Advo itself? Advo was, itself. So our right. guys had to stay in their group homes, couldn't go to the park, couldn't see their family. Man. It was rough on them. We had some issues with different delivery things that we would normally get. And the community stepped up and helped us hmm. get those kind of deliveries. We had to start bringing food into our warehouse. So we had to buy commercial refrigerators and freezers. The community helped us get that. But it is. The, the community during the pandemic really helped us and made sure our guys were taken care of. And I think a lot of people, you know, think of the pandemic and its impact on schools and daycares and stuff like that. But but maybe overlook, you know, a group home, mm-hmm. you know, a setting like like Advo operates. I imagine that brought its own degree of, of really difficult challenges to overcome. It did. Because when you figure roughly 170 individuals come to Advo on a daily basis, and then all of a sudden out of just, I mean, immediately was shut down and they were stuck in a four-person group home. Mm-hmm. And all they could see was their roommates. Yeah, it was it was a struggle. We we had some runners, which basically means they said, "I'm done," and they walk out the front door. Okay, um, more runners than we've ever had. Luckily, they'd get about two houses and then come back, so wasn't too bad. But it was still they they had enough. They they wanted normalcy, and that's the big thing with our community is normalcy is key to them. If mm-hmm. it, if things change, it throws them. Yeah, routines are, are important. Yeah, very important. Um, so the pandemic was was a little bit of a struggle. Um, when they finally started lessening up and we were able to bring in a few homes at a time because we were able to separate them still, the smiles. You couldn't, hmm. couldn't believe the smiles that they had because they get to wave to a friend from across the room that they haven't seen in months. How much of the decision-making with that, like – when to shut down, how to shut down, when to resume activities. Was that all dictated by the state? I mean, the it was, state. all of that was out of your hands, I yep, guess. Absolutely. We had no say in what was going to, what, when we could shut down or how we shut down. It was all governed by the state. Okay. So, and being Medicaid funded, we had yeah. to follow the rules. Yeah. Okay. What does this area have too much of? Even though I love it, hamburgers and Mexican food places. <laughs> okay. I, but I, that's because you have to eat at Red Robin all the time. Exactly. Right? <laughs> um, but as you can tell from my belly, I, I haven't missed these hamburger joints either. <laughs> uh, but there are a lot of hamburger joints. They are. It's, it's a, uh, it's an embarrassment of riches we have here, especially yes. with, um, with some of the hometown hamburgers and 
Tex-Mex places. We've yeah. got a lot. Yeah. And you got to try them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> As a good citizen, you exactly. have to get all of them. <laughs> Give what, back local. Yeah. What What does this area not have enough of? That's a tough one. Um, I kind of lean them back towards food again because mm-hmm. I, I may be starving right now. But faux. Yeah. yeah. There's only a few, it seems like. it's. I've always thought that was interesting. Emerald has a really robust community of like Thai restaurants. Very few Vietnamese restaurants. I agree. Um, and yeah, that is something that when you go to other places, uh, you know, parts of the Metroplex, like you can find a lot of a lot of Vietnamese food, a lot of Korean barbecue places. We don't have many of those either. Yeah. So, okay, I, I'll side with you on that one. How do you describe Amarillo to people outside the area? Peaceful. Okay. Very calming to me, slow pace, but it's got enough that everybody can find something they like and do. Plus the weather. There's no humidity. Mm -hmm. Coming from Dallas where you could walk out at midnight and sweat because it's so humid to be in here. And when the sun goes down, get a little bit of a chill. Yeah. So the weather is a big one. Okay. What's your favorite street in Amarillo? Ooh. Depends on if it's a date night or what. Okay. Um, my my wife and I will we'll go down to Polk Street, of course, do the Crush rooftop bar, listen to some music. And as a family, we've actually started going more to Sixth Street. All right. To uh, Smokey Joe's and uh, listen to some music out there on their patio while we're eating dinner. Okay. Yeah, those are both uh, different a uh, different feel, but both great places to. Spend an evening. Yep. What's your favorite local restaurant? Handlebars. Okay. I know that sounds crazy, but they have the best quesadillas in town. Really? They do. Um, if you haven't gone, had them, go get them. Now, are you a motorcycle rider Not or anything at all. like that? All right. So you don't. <laughs> You don't match, I guess, the uh, the assumed clientele hey, there, no. but they're not turning you away because <laughs> no, you drive up in a not. Honda or something. And, and what's great is when you get there, if you're out on the patio, it's it's got like maybe ten tabletop or picnic tables mm-hmm. you end up sitting next to so many different people making new friends okay um, but yeah best case it is in town i have not heard that but now it makes me want to go try it yeah. so <laughs> what uh what's your favorite local coffee shop right now i'm not a coffee snob okay so roasters palace all those i enjoy okay but then you know in, a, in about a year when we open up beans and leaves coffee at hope village That'll be my favorite. That'll be it. Okay. <laughs> we'll have to be sure and give that one a try. Yeah. Compare and contrast. Um, when was the last time you visited the Big Texan? Surprisingly, a year ago. All right. Um, one night we were all, it was during the pandemic when they everything kind of started opening back. We're like, you know, let's go try it. We haven't been there in forever. So we did. And uh, kind of how I remembered it. Yeah. <laughs> The uh, the thing I've heard from from Bobby Lee, one of the proprietors there, is that the past year has been really the busy, busiest in their history. Oh, that's you know, great. despite despite the restrictions, despite you know the way that travel has been impacted. But like, yeah, people keep driving through Amarillo, keep stopping at the Big Texan. They do. It's, it's uh, Amarillo's the, the new hot spot. Yeah. <laughs> so that concludes the eight straight questions, Jeremy. I like to close by asking my guests to endorse something. So what's one thing you would want listeners to know about or to experience? Well, of course there's always Advo and Hope Opportunities Foundation, but outside of that Panhandle Gives. Okay. That is an amazing organization. It's part of the Amarillo area foundation, right? Uh, Giving Tuesday in November, but 
what's great is you can go and give to so many different organizations, but more importantly, you can learn what all the different organizations are in the panhandle and see what all they do. And it might be a $5 donation to 10 or it might be a $10,000 donation to one. Mm -hmm. But that is just a great little program that lets everybody know what's in their community that will help our individuals. And so much of those gifts are matched yep. too because of, of generous you know, corporate donors. And so it's an opportunity. If you do give, that gift goes further mm-hmm. that week. Yep. Okay. Well, I agree with that. Panhandle Gives is coming up in uh, you know just a few weeks. So Jeremy Bradford, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I thank appreciate you. it. I appreciate everything. And that concludes the episode. I want to say thanks to Jeremy for the interview. You can find out more about Advo at advocompanies.org. And the foundation is at htofoundation.org. And as always, thanks to Angelina Marie for editing this week's episode. I also want to say thanks to this week's sponsors, NCW, the WT Enterprise Center, and Amarillo's Women, Infants, and Children Office for their support. As well as to Panhandle Plains Historical Museum for sponsoring eight straight every week. This podcast exists on a weekly basis because of listeners like you and the local people who support it financially through patreon.com slash heyamarillo. Hey Amarillo's executive producers include Barbara and Jim Witten, Jess Heredia, Corey Burns, Jason Burr, Katie Linger, Josh Wood, Wilson Lemieux, Wes Reeves, and Patrick Burns. This has been episode 215. My name is Jason Boyette, and I'll see you next week.